Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Bay Presbyterian Church. It's a little bit awkward to be up here. It's kind of like welcoming everybody to your own wedding or something like that. But I do want to welcome you. Carl, I want to ask your indulgence for just a moment. If you could pan the camera as far back, I would like you to be able to take in the second row if you can. And I want my family on the second row to stand up and turn around and look at the camera and say hello to my parents. And anyone else in our family. And I also want to point out the fact that my brother Dan got here this afternoon. Dan is the famous one for whom John once upon a time prayed because he had a psychotic nerve. <laughs> Famously. Just welcome this evening. So this is, a, this is sort of a strange uh, thing in some ways because... Neither of your pastors are in charge tonight. We, we're like you. We're just here, and we're thankful to be here. Uh, we have a Presbytery Commission that actually is here, and so I'm just sort of here uh, interloping and welcoming you and uh, thanking you for your presence here this evening and grateful for the opportunity to worship the Lord together. And I'm going to ask Pastor John to come up and say a few words. Well, this is actually, this is, um, I was telling Patrick as we were sitting there together, this is actually uh, the culmination of 17 years of prayer. Um, and for those of you who weren't here this morning, uh, today begins the 18th year of Bay Presbyterian Church in this facility, 17 years ago. Seventeen years ago, on May the fifteenth, we took possession of this uh, of this facility, and uh, we have never relinquished it. Hi, Stan. Uh, this is. Um, I, I just want to tell you one story uh, about this, and I think it's it kind of characterizes the church that's developed here, that God has brought together over the years, and that is. Um, I was sitting over there about where Carol is, um, having, uh, this was on about March the 10th, plus or minus, uh, of 2005, when we had been given possession of the church, but this, this place was a mess. We had big holes in the roof, water would cascade into the church. Uh, Lauren, I can see you every second, how do you remember that? We We put buckets from Home Depot out all around the building. I think we had about 12 of them uh, that we put out around the building to catch the water when it came in. My heart sank every time it rained. And of course, it never rains in Florida. <laughs> but uh, I, was, I was sitting there because I was just kind of cleaning. Um, one of my favorite stories is the fact that there was a... Um, there was, uh, they, uh, the promenade, the people in the promenade owned, owned this building, and they, whenever a, a business would go out of business, they would bring all the junk from their store, and they'd just keep it here. And it was, you know, we had just junk. We had four air handlers in this room. We had uh, a bidet in this room. Uh, and we had a sign from a restaurant that went out, a, a neon sign that said Houlihan's on it. And I thought, you know, if we change our name to Houlihan Presbyterian Church, 
we have our sign already. We're saving, cutting expenses. And, but um, while I was sitting here waiting, having cleaned up, a lady walked into this building. And she said, you know what? I, I don't know why I am here. I was driving down the street, and I just felt like I should turn into this parking lot. Well, there was nothing here. As I said, it was a storage facility at the time. And she said, I, I simply don't know why I'm here. What is this place? And I said, well, I know why you're here. And she said, why is that? And I said, because God wants you here. And, uh, and she said, well, I don't understand any of that. And um, she had never been to church, uh, never been to church. And so we sat across from one another, and um, I said, I think that what, um, what God wants you to do is read the Bible with me. And so we started reading the Bible together, and about three weeks later, she became a believer in Jesus Christ and a solid supporter of this church ever since. And, um, but that, uh, the, the staff that came together here, the way we found Patrick, it, it's all been extraordinary, an extraordinary movement of God. And uh, so this is the culmination of 17 years of prayer. And, uh, and I am quite thankful that this day is now here. And I am very happy at my successor, uh, Patrick Womack, and we look forward to a lot of good ministry years together. So thank you all. And so before Tom Lynch comes up and reads our call to worship, um, I'm just going to go ahead and introduce my son who will be preaching after the uh, invocation. Um, what have you not heard? Um, Joe Womack is our son. He's a graduate of Covenant College, and at that wonderful institution, he met Faith Midlowski, who became his wife, and since that time, they have entered ministry, and they have two boys who were right there with them, and if you don't know it, just listen up. You'll hear them in the course of things. And just so thankful. So last August, he was ordained to the ministry in PD Presbytery, serving at King Street Presbyterian Church. And I got to preach his ordination service. So this is his chance to get me back. <laughs> so, Joe, after the, uh, after the invocation, you just come up and you do your thing. Our call to worship this morning is Psalm 100. Hear the words of the Lord. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations.
let us pray. To our Lord Almighty, our great God and Heavenly Father, we gather this evening, Father, for a time of praise and worship as we, your people at Bay Presbyterian Church, rejoice together over your presence for the installation of your faithful servants, Patrick and John. We acknowledge, Father, that this appointed time is the culmination of your sovereign will. And we praise and thank you for the blessing of your presence and your faithful provision for your people. Lord Jesus, your grace is overwhelming, your mercy never failing. We praise you for your redeeming love that through your perfect life and sacrificial death, we can be forgiven and enter into eternal life with you. O oh, gracious and merciful God, thank you for the privilege of worshiping the living God. You alone are worthy of our praise, and we ask that your Holy Spirit attend to our hearts this evening as we worship you in spirit and in truth and with love and gratitude for your mighty acts. Now hear us, O God, as we make our prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who while on this earth taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, and please be seated. Well, I'm so happy and thankful to be here. It is a true honor to be here. Thank you, Reverend John and Dad, um, for this. Um, it's, a, it's a true honor. Maybe one of the highlights of my professional ministry. It could all go downhill from here. But <laughs> it is truly an honor. Thank you all so much. Today we'll be in Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk is a minor prophet, and it starts out with Habakkuk talking to the Lord, talking to the Lord about how Israel is in sin and rebellion and what God is going to do about it. And it's all fine and well until God says that he is going to raise up the Chaldeans, raise up Babylon to take over. And then Habakkuk says, wait a minute now, I wanted you to, to sort of get us straight, but Babylon is much more evil than we are. And so how are you going to use this nation to straighten us out when they're even worse? And so throughout Habakkuk in this prophet and book, he talks back and forth with God. And by the end in chapter 3, Habakkuk understands a little bit more what's going on and understands a little bit more what God's plan is in, in and through it all and that Habakkuk will rejoice in the process and know that the Lord is his strength. And so Habakkuk chapter 3 is a prayer from Habakkuk to God. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's, and he makes me tread on the high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. This is the word that is preached to you today. Where do you think I got that from? <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's, let's pray. Dear gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Um, may it jump off the pages at us that we may walk in newness of you. Thank you for this wonderful time. May it be a time of great rejoicing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Three points today, like a good Presbyterian. Point number one, no matter what. Point number two, I will rejoice. Point number three, God is my strength. Well, as Dad knows a lot about history, I can ask him about any, well, any question about the presidents, and he knows something about them and their wives and their extended family and all the such. But one, at one point, one occasion, Benjamin Franklin, who's not a known believer, um, comes up with an ancient artifact, he says. And he goes into a group of people and reads what this ancient artifact is, and it's these words of Habakkuk, and the people are amazed at it. They think it's so impressive that he had found this piece of an ancient artifact and didn't know where it had come from. But it's these words here in Habakkuk that can often get overlooked and often people don't see. But the words are there and they're so good and so important and valuable for us today. As Habakkuk goes through with his conversation with the Lord, he then ends his book in what we can call a psalm, a time of praise, a song. Which actually, which goes along with the series that y'all are going through Sunday mornings. But to set up verse 18 and 19 and the glory that it is, and the beautiful declaration of rejoicing, we need to first understand verse 17. It sounds sad in the moment, and it can be, but through the midst of it, we can still rejoice. No matter what we're going through, no matter the trials that we face, the difficult times, the good times, the hard times, the challenging times, we can still rejoice, and we can still have joy. And so that's the message as we move into verse 18 and 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom, the fig tree is seen as something that is fruitful, that it's something to be enjoyed throughout the book of the 12, the minor prophets. The fig tree here, and this one is not blossoming. No produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. This is the result of what would happen if an army is coming in. An army like Babylon is going to plumage and destroy and is going to take everything away. No horses, cattle, donkeys, sheep in the land. And so it sort of levels the playing here, field here. But then Habakkuk comes forth and says, Yet I will rejoice. Yet I will rejoice. So no matter what befalls, no matter what happens, there's a time of rejoicing. Not to say there's not going to be a fruitful time here. I know it will be. But no matter what, rejoice in the Lord. Point number two, I will rejoice. Verse 18, 
Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Growing up, I went to small private schools. My parents emphasized a Christian education. And um, throughout my time in education, I enjoyed playing sports. And I really enjoyed running around and playing all the sports that they had at the small school. But playing sports and enjoying that and spending a lot of time practicing sports... Going to a small school, you get some acclimation from playing sports when there's not much competition. Well, throughout many years, I would receive awards and receive sports awards and academic awards. Um, but when you're competing with four or five other people, it's not as, not as impressive. Like I like to say that I graduated valedictorian of my class... And then people ask me how many people were in my class, and I have to say four. There were four people in my class, (laughs) but I finished first. (laughs) Well, I remember on some of these occasions, um, remember it was either eighth or ninth grade year, I was sitting at an athletic banquet, and I was sitting down and um, just sort of taking it all in, and his dad is the, the pastor of the church and very much involved in the school that's attached to the church, he has an opportunity to speak. Now I remember I got a, a bigger award that year for sports, and I was sitting there, and I was knowing that Dad was going to get up to speak, and Dad was going to say something about what I had achieved, and he was going to say that he was proud of me. And I remember um, being a little somewhat cynical because I had heard it so much and had gone through this process so many times. Um, but through it, Dad always said, privately or publicly, that he loved me, that he was proud of me. No matter what, whether I was getting a reward or, uh, an award or not, Dad would always say he loves me and always say he's proud of me. In that moment, he said he was proud of me, and it didn't mean as much to me then whenever he said it in that 8th or ninth grade moment because it was, you know, the rebellious years anyways. But... So glad and grateful to have a dad that says he's proud of me and that he loves me. And that we have a loving Heavenly Father who's proud of us and who loves us as we are in in Him. John 14, 25 through 27 says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. John here points to Christ. We have strength in Christ. We have the strength of our Lord upon us. And so we can go through any difficulty, any challenge, any hardship, knowing that God is at the reins and that He is our strength. One of the most well-known, if not the most well-known verse in Habakkuk is Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 4, which says, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. The righteous will live by faith. It's what Luther found during that time, during the Reformation. Romans 1.17, the righteous will live by faith. It's the freedom that we have. And as Habakkuk claims it in chapter 2, 
he lives it out in showing his relationship to the Father at the end of Habakkuk in in verses 17 through 19. Taking joy in the God of my salvation. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. The God of my salvation. Chapter 3, verse 13 of Habakkuk says, You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. Speaking of the anointed, probably referring to David here, but here we get a picture of the anointed one. We get a picture of Jesus Christ. And that the righteous who live by faith is not of our own righteousness. It's nothing that we bring to the table, but it's Christ's righteousness upon us. It's what Jesus has done for us. And that's how we can proclaim and live the righteous by faith, all through Jesus Christ. And it's Jesus who we preach and who we proclaim. He is the center, the purpose um, for why we do what we do. That we can rejoice no matter what. And we can look to the Lord, our strength, no matter the circumstances. We can remain steadfast. Live for Jesus. He has paid it all for us. Point three, God is my strength. Verse 19, God the Lord is my strength. He is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer. Oftentimes growing up, there would be random things that would pop up and dad would go off and get them. But dad would all of a sudden jump into a sprint. And it didn't matter what he was going to get. He could get a lawn chair. He could run and get something for Sarah. He could get a pacifier these days. But all of a sudden, dad would be standing there, and then he would, we would say, hey, I'm, I need something that's relatively normal. And then all of a sudden, dad would take off as fast as he could. And he would sprint back with a lawn chair or whatever was needed. And I was altogether impressed, and even now, knowing that I would pull something if I started sprinting all of a sudden, how even more impressive that it is of Dad just taking off in a sprint. I don't know if he can still do that, but I I think he can. And so we have God, who is our strength, makes my feet like the deer's, like the deer running. He made me tread on the high places. The high places here, referring to that of an an army of wanting to be on the high place, of not being afraid anymore if Babylon comes or if turmoil strikes, of running on the high places, no longer living in fear, being afraid, because God is our strength, God is in control. Thinking of the high places and thinking of Dad's love for the mountains and love of hiking He makes us tread on the high places. Dad always enjoying hikes, always enjoying taking people on hikes and can talk about the mountains in a way that no one else really can, I don't think. It's amazing to see. Also, check out and see if one leg might be a little shorter than the other as he's walking sideways on those mountains. No, actually, um, genetically, I got this from my dad. Our hips are a little little sideways, so works out well. Thanks, Dad. 
So God is our strength, makes our feet like the deer, makes us tread in the high places. The Lord is our strength. And so this book of God raising up the enemy to show us our ways, to show Israel our ways, ends in praise. Habakkuk is praising God that no matter what happens, no matter the outcome, no matter the situation, that God is in control and that God will receive all the praise and all the glory, rejoicing in the Lord always, knowing that he is our strength. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus always and rejoice. And know that God cares about you, that you fit into his story. And he cares about what your outlook and perspective is and might be. As Habakkuk has his outlook and perspective, and God changes that and transforms that. God also cares about you and your story. So talk to God about the things that you're thinking and feeling. Have a conversation to God, knowing that he cares for you in the midst of it and that he knows you. Talk to God. This is a wonderful congregation. My parents are truly blessed, so grateful and thankful for you all. And to talk to God and rejoice. Rejoice in the good times and in the bad. And remaining steadfast. To mount up like, on wings like eagles. To run and not grow weary. To walk and not faint. No matter what, let's rejoice. God is our strength. Let's pray. Dear gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we bow before you now, rejoicing, thanking you for who you are, thanking you for Jesus and his work on the cross. Lord, we're so grateful to you. We're so grateful for this time. Thank you for Reverend John and Dad and their ministries and their ministries that will continue and prosper. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
may be seated. Good evening. I'm Lucas Tanner. It's a joy and a, a privilege to be with you uh, here tonight. I'm here because the Presbytery requires that a certain number of bald and bearded men be present for these services. I'm going to explain uh, the proceedings tonight, what we're going to do. Um, and uh, so we're, we're all called uh, into the church of Jesus Christ by baptism. We're marked as Christ's own by the Holy Spirit. This is our common calling to be disciples and servants of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, within the community of the church, some are called to particular service as elders. And the office of elder is one of usefulness and, dig and, and dignity. Elders are entrusted with the spiritual oversight of the church. They must watch diligently over the flock see, to see that no corruption of doctrine or morals enter in. They must exercise government and discipline. They visit the sick. They instruct the ignorant. They comfort the mourning. They care for the church's children. They pray with people and for people. They set a worthy example to the flock that's entrusted to their care. And some elders who are specially gifted are called and appointed to labor as teaching elders. So in addition to those responsibilities that they share with the other elders, teaching elders are responsible for, the feeding, for feeding the flock by the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacraments. Reverend Patrick Womack and Reverend John Anderson are both teaching elders in good standing of the Presbyterian Church in America. Reverend Womack was recently called by the congregation of Bay Presbyterian Church to be the pastor, and Reverend Anderson was recently called by the session to be assistant pastor. So this service tonight is an installation service. It's not an ordination. Both of these men obviously have been already ordained and serving in the ministry for a long time, but they come tonight to be installed as pastor and assistant pastor. And as a Presbyterian church, it's the responsibility of the presbytery to install their ministers in the churches which call them, and this is one of the unique features of the Presbyterian connectional system. Bay Presbyterian Church is a part of the Suncoast Florida Presbytery of the PCA, which consists of all the teaching elders and PCA churches from Bradenton down to Marco Island. And tonight, our presbytery, by means of a commission, will install Reverend Womack as pastor of Bay Presbyterian Church and Reverend Anderson as assistant pastor. The commission of elders of the Suncoast Florida Presbytery who are here to conduct this installation include myself, teaching elder Byron West from Westminster Church in Fort Myers, teaching elder Mike Cosner from Oak River Church in Benita, along with ruling elders Mike Collins, Tom Lynch, and Ken Herbold from Bay Presbyterian Church. So you can think of this, this group of men sort of like the groomsmen at a wedding. We serve as witnesses to the vows that these pastors will take, that the session will take, that your congregation will take. And so your participation tonight in this installation is very important as you affirm the calls to these men to share with you in the ministry and work of Jesus Christ. And now, Patrick and John, will you both now come forward to be asked the questions 
for installation. Ask first the constitutional questions to teaching elder Patrick Womack. Patrick, are you now willing to take charge of this congregation as their pastor, agreeable to your declaration and accepting its call? Do you conscientiously believe and declare as far as you know your own heart that in taking upon you this charge, you are influenced by a sincere desire to promote the glory of God and the good of the church? I do. Do you solemnly promise that by the assistance of the grace of God, you will endeavor faithfully to discharge all the duties of a pastor to this congregation and will be careful to maintain a deportment in all respects becoming a minister of the gospel of Christ agreeable to your ordination engagements. I do. Now these next four questions are to the congregation. So if you are a member in good standing of Bay Presbyterian Church, I ask you to respond to these questions in the affirmative with we do. Do you, the people of this congregation, continue to profess your readiness to receive Reverend Patrick Womack, who you have called to be your pastor? Do you? We do. Do you promise to receive the word of truth from his mouth with meekness and love and to submit to him in the due exercise of discipline? Do you? We do. Do you promise to encourage him in his labors? and to assist his endeavors for your instruction and spiritual edification, do you? We do. We're almost there. Do you engage to continue to him while he is your pastor that competent worldly maintenance which you have promised and to furnish him with whatever you may see needful for the honor of religion and for his comfort among you, do you? And now these questions are for teaching elder John Anderson. John, are you now willing to serve this congregation as their assistant pastor, agreeable to your declaration in accepting its call? Do you conscientiously believe and declare as far as you know your own heart that in taking upon you this charge, you are influenced by a sincere desire to promote the glory of God and the good of the church? Do you solemnly promise that by the assistance of the grace of God, you will endeavor faithfully to discharge all the duties of a pastor to this congregation and will be careful to maintain a deportment in all respects, becoming a minister of the gospel of Christ, agreeable to your ordination engagements? I do. Now, this next set of questions uh, is to the session uh, of Bay Presbyterian Church. So, assistant uh, Pastors are called by the congregation. Assistant pastors are called by the session. So only the session of this church will answer the following questions in the affirmative, which we do. Do you, the session, continue to profess your readiness to receive Reverend John Anderson? Do you? We do. Do you promise to receive the word of truth from his mouth with meekness and love? Do you? Do you promise to encourage him in his labors and to assist his endeavors for your instruction 
and spiritual edification do you? Do you engage to continue to him while he is assistant pastor that competent worldly maintenance which you have promised and to furnish him with whatever you may see needful for the honor of religion and for his comfort among you? Do you? Mike will now come and pray. Let us pray. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we, the congregation of Bay Presbyterian Church, come to you on this special day of pastor installation, thanking you for this church, our church family, and the blessings this congregation has received through the leadership of pastors John and Patrick. It is our prayer that as Bay Presbyterian congregation moves into the future, that both pastors Patrick and John minister according to the abilities God provides so that in all things involving these ministries, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Patrick and John, we extend to you the right hand of fellowship as your partners ministry with us. And now it gives me great joy to pronounce and declare that Reverend Patrick Womack has been regularly elected and installed as pastor of this congregation, and that John, Reverend John Anderson has been regularly elected and installed as assistant pastor, agreeable to the word of God and according to the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church in America, and that as such, they are entitled to all support, encouragement, honor and obedience in the Lord, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to ask teaching elder Byron West to come and give a charge to the pastor. It's a uh, privilege to be here on such a special occasion. Uh, I've known John for the last 10 years, and uh, we've become buddies, I think. Um, John is, John is in, in large part responsible for the fact that I'll be the senior pastor at Westminster for two more weeks as we had to go plant a church. Uh, so thank you for the uh, wonderful influence. Several years ago, John and I were sitting down having uh, lunch together. And uh, I was blessing and releasing our assistant pastor and wrestling through some, some own ministerial struggles. And John took me to this passage. You may not even remember this. Uh, but I'm going to charge both of you, Patrick and John, with this text from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, <clears throat> where the Apostle Paul writes this. 
when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. So as I think about this text and I think about your call together to this work, uh, I'm going to steal Mike's joke. Uh, as we were chatting just before this, he said, well, you got your commission ready? And I said, oh, it's floating around somewhere. And I said, essentially, all I have to say is, hey, guys, go get them. He said, well, that's fine. I'm going to get up and tell the congregation of the elders, go with them. <laughs> and essentially, this is Paul saying, go get them. That together, you have a partner. And so the first thing that I would encourage the both of you to do, John having planted this church and labored here now starting 18 years, and Patrick having been here two years and moving in the midst of uh, some recent unpleasantness, to lean hard into each other and to look to Christ. That's the commission of the minister, to go partnering together as gentle shepherds speaking the gospel to one another as you seek to feed the flock of Christ. Paul says, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. The great truth about Christianity is that God wins. That though in this life it feels as though we might be losing, though it feels at times futile, though disappointments abound, as we sang just a moment ago, though all hell would seek to shake our souls, God wins. And so you go in the confidence that he is leading us in triumphal procession, spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere you go. And so, brothers, as you preach and teach the gospel, as you labor in this setting with this flock and the flock that God will bring and grow and change and shape through your ministry, Patrick, and through your supporting ministry, John, remember it is the fragrance of life to life for those who believe and trust in the goodness of God through Jesus Christ. It is the stench of death to those who are perishing. And our labor is to lead them in triumphal procession. Who is sufficient for these things? Not you, but God is. And what Paul says there is you are not a peddler of God's word. You're a minister. You're a men of sincerity. You have been called and commissioned by God through this congregation so that in the sight of God, you can speak in Christ. So brothers... Go get them. I want to invite teaching elder Mike Cosner from Oak River Church to give the charge to the congregation in the session. Good evening. 
I'm a recipient of the blessings of this congregation as we are, I'm pastoring a church right up the road, uh, Oak River, uh, that has really just reaped the benefits and the fruit of, of your ministry, John and, and Patrick and, and uh, Bay Presbyterian in, in general. Thank you for your support, for your love, for your care for us over the years, even launching us uh, all those years ago. I have the privilege of charging the congregation and the session. I want to begin by reading one of my favorite passages. Um, my people will be very familiar with this. From Psalm 103, it says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The psalmist here is reminding us to not forget the benefits of the gospel. The biggest problem that we find in our lives as believers is just simply forgetting what we already have, forgetting the gospel. Now, these men have spent years and will continue to spend the next few pouring their lives out to you to remind you of the simple truth your sins are forgiven. He heals and sanctifies you. He is your strength. The gospel reminding you, reminding you, reminding you that this pulpit will be a place that will be a constant reminder of the grace of Jesus Christ. They'll visit you in the hospital, your living room, their study, at a restaurant, over coffee, and they will remind you remind you, and I implore you, listen. Be reminded of the freshness of the gospel and the rescue that he's given. But what I find interesting in this passage is as we read it in ourselves and we're reminded, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, it feels like a prayer. It feels like something individual that I read and meditate on, and we should. But this psalm finds itself in the hymn book, of the Bible, which means it's meant to be read and sung together. So when we hear these voices of ourselves reminding us, and when the voice from this pulpit, and when the voice from across the table reminds you, forget not his benefits, we say them back to each other and to the one who's saying to us. Now, the best and worst kept secret in the church is that pastors are people, people in the middle of their sanctification, in the middle of their rescue, in desperate need of being reminded of the gospel. Although they pour themselves out, they're the ones that need to be refreshed and renewed and reminded constantly. In fact, we often forget that. So brothers, sisters, mothers and fathers, session would you remind these men in an ongoing way to not forget the benefits of the gospel, to not forget the heart of what's going on? One of the tragedies in the modern church is that pastors of the church often find themselves outside of the benefits of the local church. 
That should not be. We need you. They need you. Would you remind them of their need, but not just their need, of the sufficiency of Jesus to forgive all their sins, to pay for all of their their faults, to heal all of their diseases, that he redeems their life from the pit. He crowns them with steadfast love and mercy. And he's the one who satisfies them with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Brothers and sisters, preach the gospel to your pastors and go with them. I invite you now to stand for our closing hymn, And Can It Be?
So it's left for me to pronounce the benediction, but before I do, I just want to say there is a wonderful smell wandering through this building. Please don't leave without getting something to eat. There's a lot of awfully good food in there, so please stay and enjoy the time of fellowship and food that's provided. Thank all of you for being here. Thank all of you for your prayers. John and I are blessed indeed. And so, may the Lord bless you. May the love of God our Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with and abide with you all, both now and forevermore. And everyone said together, Amen. get your attention for just a moment if everyone could file down that hallway in order to get to the fellowship hall that would help expedite things because the food's in the back wall so down that hall and then to the right